I'm here because I wanted to talk to you about us. Hi, John Flynn. Hello, Eric Bernard. Happy New Year. Oh, Happy New Year. That's right. <laughs> Did you make resolutions? I just resolved to see Madonna this year, hopefully. It's kind of out of my... Well, I mean, we have the tickets. Fingers just, crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you a secret? <laughs> I want to tell you a secret. <laughs> oh, you can tell me a secret. We have a really special guest. Yes. Today. Tell me this. Let's not keep it a secret, though. Okay. If you've been listening to this podcast, John, have you listened to this podcast? I've downloaded them all and I'm getting to them, but yes. There's a person that pops up, a very dear, dear friend of mine who's popped up a lot just naturally. Indeed. And so it seemed only fitting to finally prove that this person is not a figment of my imagination. <laughs> no mere snuffleupagus. <laughs> Please welcome my beloved friend, Brendan Cooper. Yeah. My drag mother, Brendan Cooper. Yes. I was going to do a snuffleupagus voice, but. <laughs> been too does snuffleupagus talk? He does. Yeah, kind of. He has a mm-hmm. bit, I don't know. I don't remember. It's kind of like a slow. That's it. Thing. Yeah. Hi, Big Bird. <laughs> hi, Eric. <laughs> Say hi. Don't don't ignore John. <laughs> uh, uh, hello, hello, John. Well, hi, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough of that. So, okay. Brendan, Brendan, and I have known each other since high school. Mm-hmm. You, you were the one who you. We've heard the story. You put you put Eric and Drag for the first time. I feel like it was a little bit more of a collaboration. But he definitely did well, break sure. my grandmother's rosary. I'm sure there was no, I'm sure no arms were twisted when it came up. No, no. <laughs> well, like a real drag mother and drag daughter situation, it's always a collaboration. Excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? That, was always... that before Enough is Enough, though? Or was that the same year? It was before. Year? It was the same year, but the, it was okay. the... For Carol Hovey's class? Mm-hmm. Carol Hovey's class. <laughs> we did the... Surely lip-synced Enough is Enough. I was Barbara <laughs> Streisand. He was Donna Summer. Oh. That was our follow-up to Burning Up. Like if, uh. for, for for the next semester, we that did one. This one hasn't been mentioned. Sync. I wonder why you were Donna oh, Summer. I I wore a pillow slip as a skirt, and I duct taped some shoes onto my feet, and we did that. We didn't. We didn't do them. We it wasn't like we were playing Donna Summer and Barbara Streisand. We had our characters were Dot and Babs. And we okay. we were two housewives who had just both left our husbands, and we like, had it. We wrote a scene that started that. that Please tell me there's point. footage of this somewhere. I don't think um, there is, but I bet yeah. I could still remember the scene. <laughs> I just think it was like it was like a few lines of dialogue. It was like stop and uh, stay out. That's how it started. Oh yeah, it started with that. <laughs> oh, you started in the middle of the drama. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we knew. We had been. <laughs> we were. You very... had such a good teacher. Yes, Carol Heavy was <laughs> the best. And we like we collapsed into each other's arms, crying that we had like, did you leave him? I did. Did you? And like, yeah. And then the music. And it sounds very like leader of the pack. It's pouring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we did enough. And then we had on like house house coat. We had on like dowdy house coats. And then when the disco music started, we took them off and we had like outfits underneath. Oh my god. This was for our final in play productions. Oh, <laughs> sure, of course. 
I didn't think it was your final for social studies. Cultural <laughs> studies. <laughs> World history. <laughs> Brendan, tell us about your relationship with Madonna. Like, when did it start? I have my own thoughts about this, about when did it start? It started in 1985 when I bought Madonna's first album on cassette at Musicland at the mall. Nice. And I never looked back. Well, I never looked back until after Erotica. Then I looked back a little bit. Okay. I kind of fell out of... I fell out of Madonna fandom after Erotica. Was it like Erotica you weren't crazy about or Bedtime Stories you were kind of like, eh, I can take a break? I, I think I just sort of moved on. You know, in college, sure. I was listening to the Indigo Girls and That'll getting happen. very deep. And... Portishead. <laughs> Portishead, definitely. Portishead. A lot of Portishead. And Sarah McLaughlin. Yes, that was big. You, uh, went, you went singer-songwriter. I did. I yeah. did. But Truth or Dare... That era, the Blind Ambition, Truth or Dare, that era was like, for as for a lot of people, I think the pinnacle yeah. of my Madonna fandom. Like, I was crazy about Madonna then. I had two have- giant posters on my wall, like giant Sunset Boulevard posters on my wall. <laughs> I was crazy about her. So the day that Brendan and I became friends... On the bleachers. Like, on the bleachers. We both tell had me more, P- tell me more. We both had <laughs> PE, but different PE classes, but during the same period. And we had both chosen to not dress out for PE. I think that was the term that they call it. Like, if you don't want to participate in PE, you're like, I'm not dressing out today. And you just go sit in the bleachers and watch <laughs> or whatever. Okay. Was there... Could you do that? Could you choose to not dress out every day or was it... You had to fail, but yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you had a certain amount that you could use. Okay. You could just be like, I'm not feeling it today. Gotcha. And I'm not I in my body who, today. Yeah. I knew who Brent I knew who Brendan was. Cause are you one or two? Most people now? did. I was really still am really weird. <laughs> <laughs> but also your mom was the vice principal of the middle yeah. school. Yeah. And then and your the sister vice- was in my class. So Yes. Yeah. So I knew who you were. And then we sat down, we were like on the bleachers together. And we were... Erica Providenza was in my PE class. And she also didn't dress out. And you knew Erica just from what school, whatever. Yeah. And so we were all three sitting together. Okay. And you, at that time, had a very Madonna look going already. Like you I had was a, trying. You had a lot of bracelets <laughs> and like maybe like a rosary. And I feel like, like a white okay. t-shirt, a black crumply cardigan... And like you had, you know, Madonna hair-ish and that it was like long over one eye and like maybe you had a bandana in your hair. Sounds about you right. You had a, wow. a, lot of, a lot of bracelets and a lot of, a lot. So I feel like I got more interested in Madonna when I became friends with you. 
Well, I mean, you're Madonna mother too. You're Ma Madonna mother. Mother you're Maverick. You're responsible for a lot. Wow. Mother Maverick. So, thank you. Welcome. <laughs> Would you like to host a podcast no. with me, Brendan? <laughs> <laughs> But it's true. We so we were we've been friends since what? That would be 1986, maybe. Yeah, it was in. The, we'll just say it was that time. It was that. It time. was that time. It was that year. But then we like we became best friends, and we everything that Madonna did from there until Truth or Dare, we kind of watched together. Like I remember like being at your house and watching the MTV Express Yourself and like being at your house and watching the Open Your Heart video and practicing it and later um, performing it for a room full of deaf lesbians. That was the, not the Open Your Heart, that was Express Yourself. Oh, that was Express Yourself, right. I do yeah. remember Matt whacking my head against the wall in your dorm room performing <laughs> the Express Yourself video though. <laughs> <laughs> you did? Do you remember that? You two, no. you two need to do, bring the act back together for even if it's just for one night <laughs> Dabs only. <and> dot. <laughs> I can get us. I can get us a night at Don't Tell Mamas. <laughs> Great. <laughs> the material's all there. <laughs> right. It's just a little. It just needs some light dusting. We'll That's start. Uh, we'll start with. Well, we don't want to. We don't. We will be like Madonna. We won't go chronological. We'll open with Enough Is Enough. Then maybe I'll do my Burning Up, and then mm -hmm. we'll do the Express Yourself duet. Brendan, you can have a solo with Open Your Heart because you actually do that choreography really, really well. Or you could do, or I think you both could do an Indigo Girls number together. We could. We probably have. <laughs> when Brendan and I moved into an apartment together in New York, and now we're in the 90s. Okay. 94, and we had, 95. 95 I moved to New York. You were already we, there. Yeah, I was already there, but then when you moved there, we moved into an apartment together. We had no furniture, and we spent, I want to say, a lot of nights in the beginning with, like, no furniture, and we played cards on the floor and listened to Indigo Girls and Sarah McLaughlin, stuff like that. So we would and, sing. And Jewel. And Jewel, yeah. Remember, remember her? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Guys, remember Jewel? So we probably know some harmonies. Not very better. I've gotten better since then, I think. <laughs> very good. <laughs> what I lacked in skill, I made up for in enthusiasm. That counts for a lot. That counts for a lot. Performance. So you said like you sort of tech, you stepped away from Madonna after Erotica. Do you feel like you came back to her at any point or like where are you now with her? I stepped away maybe a little bit strong. I, I like uh -huh. I didn't buy back when you had to buy. I didn't buy yeah. the records, but I was always aware. I mean, you can't get away from Madonna and right, I always right, right. appreciate it and still you check in day, what the new single is, of course. Yeah, I definitely appreciate what she does, but I just sort of started looking other places. 
And uh, did I ever come back to her? Not fully. Eric super tried. I remember one time <laughs> when you came to visit and you're like, just watch these videos. Just we're going to watch these, these Madonna videos. And I got it. A lot of things that I hadn't seen. And actually, when I started becoming the number one super fan of this podcast, I went back and started listening to a lot of her stuff that I wasn't familiar with and uh, expanded my Madonna playlist. Really? So, so what would you say is your favorite of her later era? Probably the sort of music Mm -hmm. era and the hung up era. I like Mm -hmm. those two. Yeah. But, yeah, Confessions um, is on a dance floor is widely considered like her last great album. I concur. <laughs> <laughs> um, she lost me. Uh, she lost me a little bit with the Madame X stuff. I was just a, it was a little eye rolly for me. But again, she's Madonna. She can do whatever she wants. Right. She can do yeah. Whatever she wants. Like her fourteenth album. It's like all right, sure. Let's, yeah. let's go you're, to listen. You're, you're Madonna. <laughs> I don't get it, but I support your right to do it, and I wholeheartedly support you. Yeah, she was in Portugal for her, for David. Yeah. For his soccer career. And it transformed her as an artist. (laughs) So have you ever seen Madonna live? I have. I saw... We saw Who's That Girl. I saw Who's That Girl with Eric at the Shoreline Amphitheater. And again with you, Blonde Ambition at the Oakland Coliseum. And then I went and saw... What's the one with the big kimono sleeves? Oh, that was uh, Drowned World. I saw that at Madison Square Garden. And that was when I was sort of like... To be perfectly honest, I went because my... Uh, my friend Francine really wanted to go. She wanted mm-hmm. us to go together. And I was like, fine. She knew someone who had a connection at uh, Madison Square Garden. So they got us house seats or whatever they call oh, them. Wow. They weren't free, but you know. Sure. And so so I went and it was sort of like, it was a little serious. It was a little like not what I want. Like the last thing I had seen from her was Blonde Ambition. And you know, as has been stated on this podcast, arguably that's her best performance so i think that that was such a departure for me i don't know and there were these guys in front of us with their arms in the air the whole time and screaming <laughs> the worst there were, there were fans there I mean, <laughs> people were excited yes yeah. obviously didn't know that i was there <laughs> can you guys please sit down i can't see Yeah, that's the three times I've seen her. That's a lot because I didn't. That's, that's a more lot. Than I've seen her. Me but too. The first two times we saw it together. Mm-hmm. Are you planning any plans or thoughts or dreams to see the celebration tour? You know, probably not. Not for lack of interest, but um, who knows? You have two thousand dollars to drop on a ticket. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> John. You know, Brendan was the first person that I asked when you got the tickets to LA uh-huh. in LA, and at first Brendan was like, "Absolutely, we're going." And then some family stuff got in the way. Yeah, life, life happened. Life, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then it got rescheduled anyway, so. I know, yeah. 
and now I probably need to <laughs> just one of life little life's little fuckovers. That's a Madonna quote, you guys. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting. I don't want to get ahead of things, but as I was watching Truth or Dare again, I've watched it so many times. Right. But as I was watching it again, I started keeping a mental list of the I'm big on on movie lines. I spew them all uh -huh. the time. And so I started keeping a mental list of the sort of quotes and lines that had worked their way into my daily vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And after about a half an hour, I had to just stop because there were so many of them. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. It the is a quotable film. Yeah. We were doing it. John was quoting it when we were waiting for you to get on to Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it's me? also one of those things of like I think we've probably all seen it a bajillion times where like it's in like it's almost like the the joy is like the rare one that's almost like the off camera line where like you don't mm -hmm. you know like that's called jealousy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like those weird little throwaway lines are like the most fun ones to like throw into conversation. I can't say it's raining without saying Freddy afterwards. Right, just like stamping <laughs> a foot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not changing my fucking show. <laughs> so mad. Put me on there. arrest me for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so before we talk about Truth or Dare and the spin-offs of Truth or Dare, should we do a few trivia questions? Let's do some trivia yes. questions. These are, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have to say that. It's my brand now to be like, these aren't good. <laughs> and then no one guesses them. <laughs> okay, so in, okay, around the Who's That Girl tour, and True Blue album. Madonna right. did a series of commercials in Japan. They're just like her in different outfits. There's like one with her dancing to Lice La Bonita, one with True Blue, one with Causing a Commotion, one with Crazy For You, and one for Spotlight. And it's her just in like, kind of like outfits from her tour, just dancing around in a room. I think the Causing a Commotion one has Chris Finch, who is the kid on that tour, and the Who's That Girl video. So they're very like, just her jumping around. It was for what product? Here are your five choices. Panasonic LaserDisc, Casio Watches, Sanrio-inspired Swatch Watch Collaboration, Mazda, or Mitsubishi High Def Video. Hmm. Indeed. My, my gut is Mazda. Because it starts with M? Maybe. But so, does, but so does Mitsubishi. But, but Mazda starts with M-A. Uh -huh. And that's closer. And if you were drunk and you were trying to say Madonna, you'd be like, Mazda. 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 Come here. Love you. Oh my God. Mazda, you're Mazda. here. Yay. And she's like, oh God, I don't drink. <laughs> I'm going to go with Mazda. Okay. I'm gonna go with that Swatch Watch one because it was so long. I want it to be that. Sanrio inspired Swatch That's collaboration. Nice. It is Mitsubishi High Death Video. Okay.
And in the commercials, well, they're in Japanese, so I couldn't tell like what one of it was like high def. There was another thing that there there were like two key points to be like these are better than regular VHSs. But it shows in each commercial, in most of the commercials, she takes like a glowing blue letter M and puts it in the cassette. Oh, place. right, right, like it's a VHS tape or something. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good job, you guys. Yay! <laughs> Good job. F, both F for each of you. <laughs> each of you. Okay. Peter Cetera, sometime in the 80s, had a song called Scheherazade mm. okay. that Madonna sang backup on under oh. a pseudonym. You ready for the five choices of her? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. She either recorded it as Lulu Smith, Louise Mare, like M-E-R, like the French Ocean. Okay. V.V. Smith, Emma May, M-A-E, or Luanne Lahane. These are... <laughs> <laughs> you really tickled yourself with the Luanne Lahane. I wanted to be Luanne Lahane. <laughs> you laughed so hard at that one that I don't think it's that one. I was just laughing at kind of like the overall ones because I wanted to like I wanted them to sound but they all just sound ridiculous as a group of people right I like to think of this as like a round table of like women in media Lulu Smith Louise Mayer Vivi Smith no relation Emma May and Luann Lahane I have an idea I think okay I'm gonna go with Emma what was it May Emma May M-A-E because she what she had a band before she was famous called Emmy, right? Yeah. So Emma kind of sounds like Emmy. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with that. What was the one, say. Louise Mayer? Louise Mayer. I'll go with that one. Okay. It was Lulu Smith. All right. Oh for two. <laughs> <laughs> You have some. You have a couple good chances to get. There's two more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Good. In 1982, Madonna provided vocals on a "Was Not Was" track called "Shake Your Head" (parentheses Let's Go to Bed). Okay. And it was she was not the only vocalist on it. It was other people. And then when she signed her deal with Sire, they had to remove her vocals from that song because contractually her deal with Sire like wouldn't allow it. And so somebody re-recorded her vocals for it, for like some remix of it. And the person that re-recorded her vocals was... Donna DeLore. Close. No, but that's a really good guess. (laughs) And it shows you've been listening to the podcast. Religiously. (laughs) Okay, the person that recorded her vocals was either Ozzy Osbourne, (laughs) <laughs> Please be It that. is close to Donna Delore, yeah. <laughs> Kylie Minogue, Kim Basinger, Rob Halford, or Taylor Dane. Quite a spread. Mm-hmm. Quite a spread. Shake your head. Let's go to bed. Ozzy Osbourne, Kylie Minogue, Kim Basinger, Rob Halford, 
Is Robert Halford in Judas Priest? Yeah. Or Taylor Dane. So you asked where where Rob Halford was from, which would make me think you didn't know. So then you didn't make it up. But you could have been being clever and smart by doing that. I'm real cunning. <laughs> You're a real minx, you are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've been on the streets. I know what it is to be bad. I've been, been bad. bad. <laughs> That's one of her speed the plow lines, right? Yeah. I think it's probably Taylor Dane. Okay. Right? I don't know when this was. 1992. Okay. <laughs> I don't know when this was not was. <laughs> I'll go with I'll go with Kim Basinger just because it seems so weird. It does seem weird. It is weird and it is the one. Really? Yeah. Kim Basinger, she is the one. And you can't influence. And you can't influence. And you can't influence. Mm, let's go to bed. The original version that was recorded in 1992 featured vocals by Madonna, Ozzy Osbourne, and Carol Hall, who I don't know who that is. Carol Hall but... wrote Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Really? A woman named Carol, it might not be the same Carol Hall, mm-hmm. but she did. That would be a weird group of people. <laughs> I mean, they're all- But any, with Kim Basinger, then it all makes sense. Any combination of those people is a weird group of people. <laughs> yeah, you can find it on YouTube. Um, you can find the version with Madonna singing on it now. I didn't try to find the Kim Basinger one. I just heard the Madonna one. It's cute. Here's the last, here's the last question. And it has a little bit of a story to it. In 2017, I believe, a woman named Darlene Lutz put up for auction a bunch of Madonna's personal items. She had in her possession, this is somebody who knew Madonna, has known Madonna since like before she was famous and has been in her life off and on, I guess, and then ultimately off when this happened. But she like had these items in her possession through like some weird turn of events, like, you know, like boxes getting moved around and some stuff was like at Christopher, Madonna's brother's house. And then Darlene had it and it ended up being like, at some point she was like, well, I have this stuff that's like, I guess it's mine now. Cause it's been like, right. nobody... possession is nine tenths of the law. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And so she was like, I, I can just auction it. And among it were like, I, like a hairbrush with Madonna's hair in it. I think maybe like some underwear, uh, the big one was uh, a breakup letter from Tupac. Okay, yeah, I remember that. Another one was a cassette tape that had demos from Like a Prayer on it. And so Patrick Leonard, to like combat, to like devalue the cassette tape demos, released a bunch of demos on YouTube, I guess, at the same time. So you can hear the version of Like a Prayer that's very, the, the big difference between the demo and the actual one is there's no choir on it. It's just Madonna doing her own backup vocals. And it's, it's sweet. Okay, so... Darlene Lutz was a friend who then was working with Madonna in some capacity, which is like how she was like 
maybe got yeah. a hold of these items. She was working for her as her archivist, her decorator, her tour company assistant manager, her art advisor, or her fan club manager. Hmm. Hmm. This sounds like a really, a really uninteresting iteration of the village people. <laughs> the archivist, the decorator, the tour company garbage man. manager, <laughs> the fan club manager, and the art advisor. <laughs> yeah, it's not a sexy group of people. It's just like people in linen suits. Okay, I don't think it's the art advisor. I don't know, because it's summer. Ar archivist would be, I mean, it would make the most sense because she, she had all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. But and there might she be was two like, on the nose. Here's my hairbrush. Put it in the vault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a weird day when you're just like, I guess I need to hire an archivist. Archivist. What, how do you say it again? <laughs> archivist. Archivist. If, if you're... Madonna's archivist, though, archivist, <laughs> Madonna's archivist, you probably have to sign archivist. Yeah. saying you're not going to take stuff. Yeah, you're not going to, like, have that at home. You're going to, like, have this place where that all goes. You go so to work and you, like, yeah. Okay. So maybe that's out. Maybe that's too on the nose. Okay, we'll cross out. was said. <laughs> so now we're down to decorator, tour company assistant manager, art advisor, or fan club manager. Fan club manager? I don't know. It feels like people still have fan clubs. Do like, does she still have a fan club? Madonna, sure. But this also was like back then. This was like from yeah. The, she got a hold of this stuff in like the nineties. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. It was like a box of stuff that somebody had lost in like the early nineties. I don't know. Although decorator, you know, if she was Madonna's decorator, she would definitely be moving Madonna's stuff around. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I think I'm gonna go with decorator. I'll what kind of, with, like, what is, think about Darlene's name, Darlene Lutz. What does it sound like she does for a living? <laughs> Ice skate. She does a triple Lutz. What's that? Is that that's, a, that's ice skating. I think is that's that ice skating? Ice okay, then you're right. I think so. That triple Lutz. She was Madonna's ice skating instructor. Because <laughs> everyone knows your name dictates what <laughs> career path you follow. Shoemaker. <laughs> I'll say tour tour assistant manager. Tour company assistant manager. And Brendan, you are with I'm fan decorator. club manager. Decorator? No. Decorator. I want a decorator. Okay. I'm going. Um, Darlene Triple Lutz was <laughs> Madonna's art advisor. Huh. She was not a uh, she was not like a gallery owner or a person necessarily in the art world. She was just somebody who would like advise Madonna, like, oh, this person's like up and coming. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. You should like buy some of these, even if you don't love it. It's gonna appreciate. And and Madonna was like, here, hold my hairbrush. <laughs> Let me get a closer look. <laughs> and my panties. <laughs> Maybe the art blew her panties right what off. What do you think about this letter? Do you think this could be art? In some do you think way? it's really over? Read it. <laughs> Kind of arty. <laughs> That's so weird. Um, yeah. Weird, Darlene. All right, Darlene Lutz. Okay, Lutz. 
Let's so wait, talk did, about. Did, wait, I have one follow-up question. Okay, did Madonna one. sue her, or she tried to? Uh, but there was some other. I it, the story got complicated in a way that I was like, oh, I can't. What, what the story? There was some previous thing that they had another legal thing that they had settled and part of it was that like madonna couldn't sue her again for something else i don't know i'll have to go back and it's not that it. deep He's yeah <laughs> i was just focused on her career yeah for some reason madonna i think madonna tried to block the sale of it and if she was able to go ahead and sell them the court found that she was entitled to these items they were like it's a brush madonna yeah the dna yeah we could we clone could Madonna. Madonna. Voodoo dolls could be made off of that brush. Oh, we should have bought it. <laughs> I would just love it. I would just I would create a voodoo doll and then just caress it so she would feel nice. Things. A voodoo doll of love. <laughs> Why does they always have to be negative? True. Yeah, I would like to whisper sweet things in its ear. Just be like, "You are, you are the best singer. You are the best. You are, you are the, the best dancer." Just... <laughs> <laughs> Randomly bring her to orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, wait, what time is it in Barcelona? Is she on stage right now? <laughs> I'm going to start eating her out. You're why she's always two hours late. <laughs> mm -hmm. ah. Ah. She's like, you ah. guys, I can't stop orgasming. <laughs> I can't go on stage. My knees are trembling. I can't get on the elevator. <laughs> It all makes and, sense. And then oh. I'd give her 10 minutes and I'd start again. <laughs> <laughs> I think it finished. Do like a start stop rotation. Uh huh. <laughs> You're really to edging. You're edging face. <laughs> I'm edging the fuck out of Madonna right now. Can't talk. I'll call you back. <laughs> I, this is Eric. I can't come to the phone right now. I'm edging <laughs> via my voodoo doll. Thanks to my friend Darvine Lutz. Leave a message. talking about as i said i think it's like the pop holy trinity we're gonna be talking about truth or dare medusa dare to be truthful and strike a pose i wrote some blurbs about them so i'll just read truth or dare because i guess we're gonna that's the big one we'll start with that okay so here we go truth or dare or in bed with madonna it's a documentary directed by alex kashishian chronicling the life of madonna during her 1990 blonde ambition world tour initially planned to be a traditional concert film kashishian was so impressed with the backstage life that he persuaded madonna to make it the focus of the film she funded the project and served as executive producer and was edited to be in black and white in order to emulate cinema verite while the performances scenes are in color it was first screened at the con film festival and released on may 10th 1991 it was the highest grossing documentary of all time until bowling for columbine surpassed it in 2002 and it has been noted as a groundbreaking film for its casual portrayal of homosexuality and also had an impact on reality television and celebrity culture inspiring parodies and other music related documentaries people think that being a star is about being fabulous being in the spotlight 
having your picture taken all the time and having everyone worship and adore you. Being rich, 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 having it all. And you know what? They're absolutely right. Time Magazine says Truth or Dare is epically entertaining, a spectacular dare, and Rolling Stone calls it outrageously funny and revealing. Oh, oh. Truth or Dare, how bad do you want? Rated R. Do you guys remember when you first saw Truth or Dare? I do. I don't exactly. I was trying to remember, but I don't. Do you remember, John? I saw it in a movie. Th- I was, I think I just had my first year of college or was about to go off to college. And I went up to New York. I lived in New Jersey. And I, I remember going up to New York City to watch it because it wasn't playing anywhere nearby. And uh, it was late into the run, but I loved it. I had seen like the videos because they released videos of both Holiday and that version of Like a Virgin. I think the first thing I saw was the the video for Like a Virgin, that sort of Egyptian version of it. And just being like, what? I need to see this. I saw it in L.A. I was living in L.A. when it came out. And I think a big group of us went. It was like David Boyd, David Paul, Mark, Josh. I don't know. It was like a group of like what, what, how you should, how you should go to see it. Yeah. Like a big group of like young gay guys going to see it. I was living in San Francisco and I'm sure it was probably the same for me. I don't remember exactly where or when I see, I saw it first, but. It was definitely in the movie theater. It was probably with a big group of like-minded homosexuals. And how many times would you guess you have seen it in your life? Ah, uh, I mean, I had the DVD. Right. I watched it a lot. I, 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 I couldn't even venture. I guess a lot, like a lot of times. It's one, one of those movies too that you can be like, I'm just gonna put on Truth or Dare. Yeah, yeah. And like putter around that. the house. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was a movie that, like, if I was with someone and they hadn't seen it, because I had, like, a bootleg VHS tape of it, then I had, like, a DVD of it, and then a few years ago I got the Blu-ray, even though there's no real big extras on it. But concert footage, especially on the Blu-ray, looks incredible. It kind of, the concert? It's still, like, fine, but it doesn't feel, like, upgraded in the way that, like, the concert stuff on the Blu-ray is, like, wow. One thing I'll say, this is probably the first time that I've watched it on a TV as big as... As I have gotcha. now, I don't have a huge, I don't have a huge TV, but you know, it's a nice size TV. But after seeing it in the movie theater, I was just watching it on like, you know, nineties, oddies, televisions, which right. were not big. And yeah, exactly. And watching it on um, the other night, it was visually pretty stunning. Like when they first go into express yourself, it's sort of stunning and very effective when they switch from black and white to color. Yeah, and because it's not the black and white's not only black and white, it's like slightly grainy. Yeah. Cinema verite. I don't know what that means. Verite is the name of her art. Um, art, sweetie. Oh, it is. <laughs> is it verite the name of her 
Verity. Verite, Verity is the name of her character in Die Another Day as is a fencing instructor. Oh, I maybe. Well, Cinema Verite is Cinema of Truth. Pussy Verite or something. Oh, you want Cinema of Truth. Supposed to be oh, like okay. real, like and real then life. Real, and that's the black and white one. Yeah. And then the color one is cinema fantasy. Fantasies. <laughs> fantasy. No, that's what they call it. But how do you say dream in French? Rev. Oh, cinema Rev. Doesn't have the same ring. All right, well, I'm g- I'm coining it as a term. A verity, cinema. yeah. V-E-R-I-T-Y. Die another day, you were correct. U-N-I-T-Y. Yeah, the jump from the black and white, from the verite to the Rev world of the concert footage is beautiful. Not since Wizard of Oz. Not since Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I feel like it's a technique that's been used since then a lot in music stuff. I never said it wasn't basic, you guys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I want to put that out there. How should we talk about it? Do we want to talk about the movie as like going through it like scene to scene we could do that do you have a list of the scene to scene no all right well i, I remember it starts let's out with her it together right now <laughs> let's do it <laughs> i bet we could probably i bet we could well. do it from like from chunks to like sure, in chunks. of course so it starts with her getting ready in japan Cleaning up her hotel room oh right because the whole thing is technically a flashback yeah i think it's supposed to be the end of the tour it's like mm-hmm. the last night she's cleaning up afterwards and she's like, I hasn't talking hit about, me yet. I hope I'm yeah. in a safe place when it right. dies. Yeah. yeah like, like when you making peace with someone, when you know, they're going to die, mm-hmm. has it in yet? I hope I'm in a safe place when it happens. And then right. there's like a thunderbolt and it's like rainy season in Japan. And then she's really upset because it's the start of the tour. It's raining, Freddie. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> she sees me and the smile goes away. Yeah, she's all pissed, and so they have to just put on their Vogue costume and their show jacket, and that's our costume for the night. Yeah, a lot of the backstage footage and stuff is to show that, like, there's, like, things that go wrong all the time that Madonna's constantly having to deal with. It didn't occur to me, I, I don't remember that sort of impact of the fact that like she's kind of in charge of this whole thing and yes there's like a lot of people working for her and working on it but she's like the boss she's not like somebody in a show it's like her show she's like holding business meetings she's making decisions all the time deciding what you know what to do and how to even that like thing with like that's not like some costumer coming out and being like okay so you guys here's what you're going to wear for the right she's ultimately making the decision as to what's happening yeah and that's wild to think that she's 30 and granted this is like her third tour and her second world tour but it's a huge operation that she's in charge of and just like it's the huge are going wrong right and left and it's probably the biggest tour at the time that it happened you know what i mean like just like the level of like sets and costume like as we've discussed before like the tour itself was so just like brought like 
pop concerts to like a whole other level. Mm -hmm. So she's doing that. And again, it's like just being the producer of the tour is a huge is like three full time jobs. But then on top of that, she is the star of it. Like it, the whole thing rests on her in so many ways. So she can't just bark decisions at people and then like go into her office and just sort of calm down and let the show happen. She's like, Mm -hmm. and I've got to get myself mentally in a place where I am the star of this show. Yeah, it's wild the amount of stuff that she's taking off and just like, yeah. And she was the 33. stuff going wrong is like weather, sound problems, technical problems, interpersonal problems, like trying to navigate the problems between the dancers and like, you know, mm-hmm. managing personalities, hosting guests after the show. Right. Yeah. That's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine doing half of it. But I think uh, she's like the top of the pyramid, right? Because she's not she's not like hands-on dealing with all of that stuff if i've i have toured with nothing nothing as big as that but i've toured with like concert shows before and there are as you said before hundreds of people who are dealing with the meet and greets and the you know the technical stuff and so she's the probably she's the person that people are coming to with all these problems once they've gone through whatever other channels (laughs) right this is a guess but you know it's not like she like has to show up and unload the truck you know no all that (laughs) stuff's happening yeah but she's in she's in charge of a lot more than i would imagine like we say britney so often so i'm gonna say christina aguilera oh yeah totally sure she's a lot more involved than just a not just let's not say just about Britney. <laughs> no she's more she, well, she's on. also like in a whole other well she's in a whole other category anyway just given her sure. like but, if i imagine that if you're if you were tori amos you're probably very like i don't know why i picked her i'm figuring like somebody who's more i feel like there's an opportunity to be in that role where you're the star of the show but you're kind of just like in you insulate yourself with like there's other people mm-hmm. like troubleshooting all the way so that like the problem you never have the problems come to you maybe like in sound check you're like aware of things but you're not de- managing to the extent that i think she was managing that tour yeah and She's i'm sure some of that things. is a choice too but it does feel mm-hmm. like yeah i get what you're saying like there's a way in which you think someone like maybe Tori Amos, but not specifically. Like she's being told, here's the merch you have, where it feels like with Madonna, they're like, here are merch options. What do you like? Yeah. Okay, you like this? You don't like this? We won't do You want us to do this to this? Okay, great. We'll do this. It feels like yeah. you get the sense that she is making, she is signing off on everything. But that's like very that it, on brand for her to have her hands on everything. Yeah. I like that when they're like, make, there's a couple times where they show her like making notes and something and it's like an immaculate collection. Oh, notebook. right. Like daily planner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah. It's cute. They're like, here, we have a whole box of these. They didn't sell well. <laughs> we all have to be seen using them. Otherwise. Yeah. It's part of our thing. There, or she like, gave... like her assistant had it like one that was like for Tiffany. Like, no, no. What is that? What is that? <laughs> Not is there a share calendar in my dressing room? Excuse me. Is is that a peachy folder? <laughs> I also could imagine that like everybody got handed like a gift bag at the beginning of the tour that of had like here's your daily planner, here's some some your t-shirts, your t-shirts, jackets, your jacket, yeah. your lanyard with your via with your all access right. pass. Don't lose it. They're very difficult to replace. Yes. If you're wearing these in public, you have to be hair and makeup ready. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a list of do's and don'ts with your fashion. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. No, no smoking in your costume. 
I will uh, say this, rewatching it this time, I definitely was, you, I had the sense of like, now these kind of tour documentaries are pretty, are almost like automatic, like they happen for so many artists. I was struck by how like evolved documentaries have become. Just in the fact that there's like, there's not like the Chiron, there's not, there's a little bit of talking head stuff throughout the entire movie, but it's not as established and set up. Like there's a lot of people who, I feel like we probably all figured out who they all are because we've watched this dozens of times. But even still watching it, I was like, I'm still not sure what that who that guy is who's there. Like when she's all mad about the sound, who's not Freddie Demand, but the other guy who's like, oh, you're talking about the end? Yeah, I heard that part. Keith? Oh, the other is part? Is Keith? No, it's not Keith. Because Keith was like shorter and a little like rounder, but this guy was like taller. Please give Keith a new asshole because- Yes, yeah, it's that guy. <laughs> He's in like, charge of my show. Sure. <laughs> is he the stage manager? Is he a production manager? Is he an assistant? Like he's, you see him again at some of the parties, but there's never any like, here's who this guy is, or he doesn't even right. have a talking head. And even watching it this time, I was like, oh, a lot of the dancers we don't get like a one-on-one time with. Like we get, mostly it's Oliver, but like we don't get any talking heads from like Gabriel or Kevin. We see like- Jose Lewis and Slam be like bitchy, mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of like I think like now if you were to make a documentary you would sit down with all of them and have them narrate more or just be make sure that you get more of all of them. I do, but I do think about the amount of footage that there is that's not in this movie, and I would like to spend I would like to watch all of it. I would spend however long it took. Yeah. I, but th- what I've read is that it's like 200 hours. I don't know if I do 200 hours, but I also heard that the first edit that Alex Kashishin put together for Madonna was like three and a half hours. And I was like, oh, so that when, I could watch. When do we get that? Like, what anniversary <laughs> do we get that cut? I, I would feel like watch she it. probably has to die because I, she just seems so not interested in sitting down and like signing off on the approval of any of it. Mm. It's I'm just a signature. I'm going to make her voodoo doll do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> just send her a note that says you won't stop coming and just, until we get the I won't stop eating your <laughs> until we get all 200 hours it's like a mini vibrator and a mood vibrator set, set the doll on top of it and go to work <laughs> but also was it I think it was Mike Jensen who met who said when we were talking about Blonde Ambition he's like well Alex Kashishin obviously recorded the entire concert like I would love yeah. his version of the concert like that that level of the whole thing would be amazing. Same. But also, yeah. like he has said in interviews, that he doesn't know where any of the other footage is. Lies. Yeah. Con. It's gotta be a lie. There's no way you don't know where that footage. Yes. Is. Darlene. You have an Lutz. artist. Darlene Lutz has it. <laughs> <laughs> Darlene. I'm checking eBay right now. <laughs> Missing. <laughs> Truth or dare. They finally figured out who killed Tupac, Darlene. We are coming after you (laughs) next. (laughs) I got to find a way to make this letter valuable. (laughs) Give it to me. Okay, here's something that I was struck by in it. Donna and Nikki don't have makeup artists. Yeah, that's who Mama Makeup is. Is Mama, because they're like doing their own makeup. I feel like oh, Mama Makeup does her their makeup. I think she does theirs and the dancers because she comes into the dancer uh, once, and then there's the other woman who does do something else. Do my eyebrows? Eyebrows. Yeah. Okay, that's Madonna's. She's just Madonna, and I think Mama Makeup does the rest of them. 
But Mama Makeup do is doing her when she goes to the Dick Tracy premiere. Yeah. And I think there are maybe are a couple of other shots of her doing something with Madonna. I, maybe they were a team. Yeah. And probably. if the if the British girl couldn't do it, Mama Makeup stepped in. There's just shots of like Donna and Nikki, like when they're getting ready, where they're like doing their own stuff. And it's not just like the mascara wand. I know that sometimes like people will be like, just because that's like a delicate thing. <laughs> that's my eye. Sorry. Yeah. And you don't need like a skill to like, you know, it's just like blinking. Oh, okay. Why do you not respect makeup unions? I'm just saying that like that <laughs> aspect of it, like you can do like some and then somebody might touch up like a little bit on it, but it's not like doing somebody's eyebrows or their lip outline. You need a steady hand for those. Mm -hmm. Maybe Sharon was busy doing Gabriel's makeup and she couldn't do Donna and Nikki. Yeah. They're probably Maybe pulling her in a lot of different directions. Probably. Right. Yeah. Sharon is mama makeup. Yes. yes. Sharon Galt. Sharon what? I think it's Galt. If this, She might have an Instagram. Hold on. Oh. oh, my God. Makeup artist, mama makeup. Oh, all right. She's followed by other Madonna podcasts. Well, yeah. now we can't do it now. It'll look too premeditated. <laughs> Can't follow her now. <laughs> she has 17,000 followers. All right. Go Sharon. Happy for her. <laughs> Good for her. Glad she's thriving. <laughs> I feel like I derailed us from like to going through the <laughs> movie good. in order, but I don't know that it's really important to go through it in order because it's not like a linear story. No, I think yeah, it seems to me that the the performance clips that they show are in order, but they leave of out the tour. They're not. They're not. No. Okay. I mean, I I don't mean the like when they're talking about her sound going out and showing her and uh -huh. no. keep it together. I, I mean, when they like the actual, like full screen the concert footage, the first yeah, one is not express yourself. The second that is, is the first one. Oh, father is. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah and the, okay. the first and the last are, are the, are the first and the last, but everything else is sort of like where it feels. Okay. Where it serves the story. So yeah, I think like the next chunk is like the, Oh father chunk, which is like juxtaposing Oliver's story with Madonna's family coming to see Madonna's parent, Madonna's dad and stepmom coming to see the show. Like those are, that's like a, the next chunk is. No, Madonna's, well, she's on the phone with her dad. Hello. Dad? Yes. Hi, it's me. Well, hi, how are you? I realize I haven't talked to you in a while and you know, I hope everything's okay. And I, I have no idea if you guys are coming to the show, what night, blah, blah, blah. Well, whatever you guys can get us tickets for. Dad, I can get you tickets any night you want to come. Uh, would be great. She's eating that weird, it looks like watery spinach soup. Miso soup, that yeah. she's eating. And she's talking she to her dad. Bleaching her hair. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's bleaching her hair, talking to her dad, telling him. And they have a funny conversation that feels like... Some conversations this feel like set up to me, like some of the Sandra Bernhardt stuff. Even though it's like sure. very entertaining, I feel like that that whole setup for them talking about like who would you want to meet, who would really rock your world, and she's like, oh, that guy who's in all the Pedro Almodovar movies. Uh, I feel like that they were like, we need a scene to get us into to set the, it, to set that up, right? Yeah, 
Can you guys um, just talk about, yeah. Yeah, campaign. talk about whatever, but then find a way to naturally segue into just mentioning Antonio Banderas. Yeah. And, and it uh, sounds to me, I have to say, like some of that was dubbed. She gets up to go to the phone. This is how crazy I am. She gets up to go to the phone to answer the phone. And she says something about Anton Antonio Banderas. And it sounds dubbed to me. Sounds looped. It could just be. Just saying. I'm just saying. Okay. I have another conspiracy theory to throw out. Yes. Moira McFarland is not a real person. <laughs> well, we'll get we'll get there. No. So Sandra Bernhardt is like talking about somebody that she's dating, that uh -huh. she's like from the art world. Who's a gallery you guys, owner? Gallery like owner. Yeah. Does she Rebecca say Carlson? gallery owner? She does. She says she's a gallery owner. Oh, I was Wait thinking it's Darlene Lutz. Darlene Lutz. Yes. Maybe. You don't think it's Ingrid Caceres? She oh, was dating Ingrid Caceres, Caceres wasn't yeah. she? Sandra Bernhardt. So. But if we can her. if we can say that it's Darlene Lutz, then we could put Santa Bernhard in possession of this box of things. Oh. Um she's complicit. <laughs> if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. <laughs> the problem. Mm -hmm. Are they still friends, Madonna and Sandra Bernhardt? They fell out, mm -hmm. didn't they? They fell out. I don't I get the impression that they don't hang out, but I bet if they saw each other, they wouldn't be like, oh, you're here. <laughs> I'm leaving. Get in the car. Call the driver. We're leaving. <laughs> yeah, I bet they don't. I bet they just don't interact. Like, I don't think they like, like Debbie Mazar will like respond to Madonna's Instagram stuff all the time. Right. And Rosie oh, O'Donnell Rosie will. Sure. Yeah. Oh. But um, Sarah Bernhardt does not, that I'm aware of. What else of note can we talk about in... Okay, so Toronto happens. Then yes. it's her parents and her step, her dad and, his step, and her stepmom come. Yes. And so to the contrast, to, I think that all of her stuff is in there, Together. I guess as a segue to, to her saying, oh, father. But like then when we see her interacting with her father, the amount of times that she's trying to uh, solicit like some compliment from him and he's just like, He's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. She, but like, it, he's, and maybe privately they did, but there, you don't, we don't see a moment of him like hugging her and being like, I'm so proud of you. Look at what you've done. He, he seems very like unimpressed by it all. I get what you're saying. I, to me, it read more of like him being, him just not having the language to talk about it. Maybe. And just not like, like, I think it's <laughs> maybe it's a reflection of, my father and what he thinks of my life of like if it like if if his if madonna wasn't his daughter he would be uninterested in what she's doing you know it's not like he has right, any right. interest in like the kind of career yeah. that she has or the kind of life that she's made for herself i do got the impression that he does love her and he is proud of her but he doesn't know the language or he like he doesn't understand like i remember a friend of mine at a time girlfriend now wife is a friend of mine from from college who's also like a theater major and she said like it took a it it was like an adjustment for her. Like when she's like, when we go and see someone else in a show, like one of, you know, whether it be my, my husband or his friend, somebody in the show, I knew to say like, good job after the show and to compliment them. I didn't realize that we would talk about that for the rest of the night. 
Yeah. <laughs> and so like she's like, oh, I learned that like that's what's going to happen, and to just like be on board with that and not you know like how it would be considered rude to be like so um what movies is you know like to you know right. so i think like there's a way in which like they don't understand the language in which to compliment it or to sort of like or to like to say the things of like oh i really like this or this impressed me and so they're just like wow it's so impressive how like everything moves and yeah like, you turn your back and it's a whole different <laughs> set and you have like, different yeah. clothes and all yeah. the songs and you know it's like that kind of person who's like how'd you learn all those lines where it's right. like it, it feels like an insult um but it's I like it is not intended as such like that's the thing that I got or like in there's a way in which like he almost feels embarrassed and also I think it's the thing too of like they all know that there's a camera on them and I think there's that's what I was gonna say that's the thing too of like nowadays and also like to like the whole talking heads of it too of like oh this movie is made now everyone who would be in it would like know how to how to do those talking head things or how to talk to the, you know, stuff like that where then people are just like, maybe I'll, I'll just stand over here and be awkward or, you know what I mean? Or like not, you know, like just not at all feel comfortable about it. And so that's mm-hmm. part of what like, I think is what's going on there. I agree. And also I think it must be so weird to be like her, like she brought her father on stage and had a stadium full of people sing happy birthday to him. Like that's just gotta be like the awkward. energy you feel, but just like, just like how overwhelming that itself is. You know what I mean? Like to have that amount of energy coming at you and to just not just overwhelming and how to just not be able to process it. I know we're not talk we're not talking about it yet, but I think we can talk about any of them as they come up in strike a pose when I forgot who it is one of them. One of the <laughs> one of the six of them talking about like the like that the wall of sound, like just being like it's indescribable or like there's nothing else like it that like when that stadium full of people is like cheering when you walk out on stage and what that is like yeah and like yeah if you're mr Ciccone and you get up there it's got to be crazy just like otherworldly have have no context at all although i'm sure she's brought him on stage before that i don't yeah, know yeah he came I out at the know. end of the virgin tour Oh, okay. that bit, he like runs on stage and is like, get home, young lady. You know, oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. But even so, I just think if you're not. That was probably a that, smaller space. <laughs> exactly. I never so good about What did you think of Strike a Pose? We were not done talking about Truth or Dare, but do you want to say what it is? Do you want to say because if oh, we're sure, going to talk little about, blurb it, about that, sure. yeah, Strike a Pose is a documentary directed by Esther Gould and Riser Zwan, profiling the dan- profiling the dancers who performed with Madonna on her Blind Ambition World Tour. Twenty five years later, they reveal the truth about life during and after the tour. It was released on February fifteenth, twenty sixteen, and according to the blurb, Strike a Pose is a dramatic tale about overcoming shame and finding the courage to be who you are. Have you seen it before? I had, I did. Oh, yeah, I had seen it at least once before. I watched it for just last night. I I didn't really remember a lot of finer points about it. I don't remember the first <laughs> time I saw it, but there was a lot of things that felt new. You know, I had the same thing with it, and maybe just because like, I think when I saw it before, I hadn't just watched Truth or Dare. So like watching Truth or Dare, and then the next night watching this felt like that they illuminated each other in a different way for me. I think the public perception is, is that she like made all these young kids kind of famous 
and then like became uninterested in them, like moved on and left them kind of high and dry. And then what I think happened is, is that yes, three of them sued her. So that was weird. And then the other one, like Slam and Jose and Lewis got really into drugs. So in Truth or Dare, she's talking about like, I wanted to give them the, the thrill of their lives. I wanted to give them this incredible experience. They're like, they kind of come from nothing. They're, they're mm -hmm. poor. They're like, she wanted to like, really like show them this world and give them this like huge thing. And then maybe realizing that in hindsight, that's maybe not the best gift to give somebody who's not prepared <laughs> to deal with it. Right, because it comes or, or so has... quickly and disappears just as quickly. Yeah, and if you don't have the resources to continue that sort of lifestyle, it can feel like a letdown probably. Yeah, and like by their own admission, what Slam and Jose and Lewis did with that celebrity was sort of like just go out partying all the time, which is like probably what I would have done had I been in their shoes. Everybody comes to smell of it in Hollywood how could it hurt you when it looks so good shine your light and then from there, it was like drugs. And like, I think Lewis is talking about like, he started using heroin and talks about the last time he saw her and she was like, you need to get help. And I think that if the sort of narrative is like, oh, Madonna did this great thing. And then she kind of lost interest and tossed them aside. I think it was more that some of them sued her and some of them she realized, she's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you more if you're gonna use it to hurt yourself. Cause she did hire Carlton again for the girly show. I think he's the one who did not sue her and did not get into drug, heavy drug use afterwards. That's true, of the seven. He was yeah. in either of those camps. And it makes me think like about, or even like the girly show and then other shows going forward. I feel like she went a different route and just like hired like, not that, not that these guys weren't professional dancers, but I think she just went with, who's auditioning for like Broadway shows? Who's, who, who's I think just you're right, like, but I also think the way in which everyone says like Blonde Ambition had such a huge impact, which I think is totally true, but I think it's also the one-two punch of Blonde Ambition and Truth or Dare. Right. Because mm -hmm. I think yeah. these dancers weren't just her dancers on tour, they were also, you know, featured very prominently in this documentary, this incredibly successful movie as well. So I think probably, I would say probably more people know them from Truth or Dare than Blonde Ambition. Obviously, one's a documentary about Blonde Ambition. But yeah. I think like more people saw them and knew them from that. And another thing, too, that has occurred to me over the years, too, is like how different it would have been for them if it was a time of social media where they could go, OK, we've got this attention yeah. on us through Instagram or TikTok or whatever else we can use this to build more of a career. And like Jose and Lewis tried to with that song, Queen's English, yeah. which is not a great song. No. But you know what I mean? Like, you can understand how these people went from like being dancers to having the hugest to being dancers in the hugest tour in the world in this huge, very successful documentary to then, you know, like people it, like dancers, especially like when TV and film, like they're not a lot of famous dancers, you know what I mean? And none of them right. were known as being like singers. They were known as being backup dancers. And so it's like hard to know like how they can parlay that, especially not at that level. You know what I mean? And so, but I think if they had existed, if they had a savviness to them about social media and social media existed then, they they potentially could have done more with that attention that they had. I agree with you, yeah, because I think like when, in Strike a Pose, when Slam talks about going to audition, like it didn't put them in another class of like auditions. Like they still had to go to the same auditions that anyone right. else did. They just had this credit under their belt. And he talked about what it was like to go in being like, oh, you're the Madonna dancer. And then people having an opinion about that, either 
like being intrigued, more intrigued in him because of that, or like writing him off because of that. If they had been like any contestant on like RuPaul's Drag Race, can now like take that platform and mm -hmm. they have an opportunity to do something with it. But also, do you think that if Truth or Dare hadn't happened, anyone outside of super fans would have known who these people were at all? I mean, I probably wouldn't have known who they were. I might have recognized them. I might have, you know, remembered the name Slam from the tour program. Yeah. But I don't think I would have had the kind of sort of perceived connection with them or, you know, known anything really about yeah, them. Yeah, like we don't know the personalities of the dancers in Girly Show. Right. Right. Except for the one that's now on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> Karen Anama. But then again, it's because of television and film yeah. that we know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. The person who I actually ended up like liking the most in the documentary is Jose. But I also loved all the stuff with his mom. Mm -hmm. I thought that was yeah. very sweet. And I just she went hard on him. She went hard. <laughs> yeah. She's like, why did you leave? Why did you stop? It's like, I didn't leave. The tour ended. Why didn't you buy me that house? You promised right. me you were going to buy me a house. <laughs> and I don't I didn't even think he even promised her. She just said, I want you to buy me this house. And yeah. you haven't done it yet. <laughs> yeah, she's there may be Aww. something. He seemed very like loving towards her. So mm -hmm. yeah, they didn't absolutely. have a contentious relationship. Like she would say those things and he would like laugh. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, oh, yeah, mom. he knew to like, sort of not, yeah. not take it too seriously. Yeah. I was kind of struck by um, how friendly they all were and said they always were with each other, those guys. When in the movie, it definitely seems like, of course, you know, time mm -hmm. changes Fine. things. But it time sort of seems like everything. time heals all wounds. <laughs> I was kind of surprised at how loving they all were and how much they said, no, we all looked out for each other. We all cared. Oliver, particularly, because he seems to be very much the other. In from, Truth or Dare. In, in yeah. Truth or Dare. And to hear him say, like, no, these are my brothers. Like, uh, I do anything for them. And, you know, who knows if that's come over time. But I was kind of surprised to, to hear, oh, no, they weren't as kind of clicky as I thought they were. And that stands to reason. I mean, I've been Yeah, I don't friend. imagine that if, yeah. in, if in the when Truth or Dare was being filmed at that time, that if Oliver would have heard something being said bad about one of the other dancers, that he would have like stood up for them. Like if, you if Oliver was out and somebody so. was like, right. what a fag, I don't think he'd be like, hey, don't call him that, he's my <laughs> yeah. brother. But I do believe that since then, you know, the memory of it is like a, for him, he seemed like so sweet, like such a sweet guy, mm -hmm. Oliver. Yeah. And hardworking and yeah. None of them have had like an easy time since that movie. Kevin probably seems the most kind of like stable and together. Yeah, probably. But I still, and I don't mean this in a negative way, I don't feel like I have much of a, a real sense of him. Like in, in Truth or Dare or in Truth yeah. Pose. Like he, he feels like he has the least presence in them. Whether it be like just his personality, like he's not as big of a personality. Well, and yeah. it also kind of seems like Jose and Lewis and Slam all had big personalities and they were all together. It's probably easy to fade into the background a little bit. And they all had, they were all like, they were all featured. Like, you know, Oliver's in Open mm -hmm. Your Heart, Carlton's, the, it, it's the big ballet stuff with Oh Father and all that stuff. Right, in the religious section. In that section. But the big ones that are featured are is like, Slam's kind of like Madonna's man in Express right. Yourself. 
and then the Dick Tracy kind of, yeah, yeah, because he kind of looks like the model who's in the video. So he's definitely like stands out as like, oh, you're the guy in the video, but you're not the guy in the video. But you're like, mm-hmm. there's that, and then Jose and Lewis are so tied to Vogue. And well, and also like a, like a virgin. Yeah. Oh, James Clemenco. <laughs> yeah. So they brought their their no Their their standout moment, their featured moments are much more. Iconic. Yeah, Kevin doesn't really have a big featured moment. I was just trying to think. He's, he's one of the mermen in Cherish. Gabriel's, I feel like, is into the groove. Into the groove. Yeah, what yeah, does, yeah. Kev, does Kevin have? A, I don't think so. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's part of the reason why. He also just seems like kind of like a sweet. Yeah, I mean, he seems very, I'm not. I didn't say that like he seemed like a jerk or anything like that, but he doesn't have, he never like really has like that moment where you're like, oh, wow, Kevin's having his moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. I relate to him because I feel like that's where I would have landed too. <laughs> but I also feel like, I mean, obviously, like, unfortunately, you know, Gabriel had passed away. But even in like Truth or Dare, they say, oh, Gabriel's everyone's favorite. But there's never a moment in that doc- in that movie where you're like, oh, where like we fall in love with Gabriel. Like what we of- see. Yeah. yeah. He was the one of the lawsuits. His was about not wanting to be outed. And the other two were sort of more like financial. Kevin's was definitely about finance because he had a different contract than the rest of them. So he was like, you owe me money. And I don't remember. He, wasn't as, he, he was slightly <laughs> less interesting. So they had to give him a whole, a whole other contract. <laughs> right. Maybe this will be a storyline for Kevin. I don't remember why, why Oliver was suing her, but yeah. Why did Kevin have a different contract? I think because initially from what, I, what I've read from uh, in the Madonna biography that I'm reading oh, now, okay. was that he was initially not hired to be a dancer, but to be the assistant choreographer. And then it was when they were filming the Vogue video where they were like, hey, we want you to be in the video. Do you want to go on tour with us? Oh, so wow. I think he was technically the last dancer hired, I believe, for the Blonde Admission tour. But I think also he was hired in another capacity. I bet he was like also like dance captain. Like he had to know everybody's choreography and be able to like teach. Fill in a hole. Yeah. yeah. Someone twisted an ankle. Right. Fill in a hole. And and also, if if he was uh, an assistant choreographer, I I know he had an agent because I read the Wikipedia page because I didn't understand (laughs) the whole lawsuit thing. He said, uh, he's quoted as saying, it really should have been my agents that sued her. Because that some sort of a contractual something or other. Oh, got it. But it seems to me like probably a lot of those dancers were plucked off the street. They didn't have agents. They didn't have any of this stuff. Whereas he did. So. And also, you know, like no one had done that kind of thing before. So no one knew to be like, oh, we should be sure to be a part of this. In whatever, like Warren Beatty, I thought it was like just a bunch of she was like making home movies or just like videos for herself. Like he had no idea. Because also, I think part of that initial, you know, three and a half hour, four hour cut there apparently were a lot of scenes of like phone calls between Madonna and Warren Beatty. And he was, and he, his lawyer sent there a cease and desist. Like, I don't want any of that in there. So there were a lot of like converse phone conversations between Madonna and Warren Beatty that were in that first sort of pass of oh, the movie. Wow. I would have liked to see some of those to know if like, she was consistently as insufferable to him as she is in the <laughs> scenes that they are see. together. Yeah, like the scene that she, we hear just her end of the conversation when she's Where waiting for you? him to pick her up. Yeah. <laughs> Did not, shut up. Like, she's just like, she's bratty. Oh my God. But like, in a way that it's like, what is in it for him? 
I, well, I think I Come get the now. you get the you, you know definitely get. <laughs> I mean, I what do, he, but... what he's in it for. I think I you I get the sense that he was like, once Dick Tracy opens, and you know, like there was a sense of like the movie was just coming out, so he was like, I'm putting up with this, but I really don't want to. Right, that maybe they had to like, yeah, he wanted to, because they were like publicly dating. Yes. Yeah. But I think like if. If it would have been like Madonna and Warren Beatty broke up, I bet he wanted to stay, keep that storyline going through the release of the movie. Exactly. Yeah. He didn't want that to overshadow the movie. Right. They broke up. The movie's, uh, yeah, like whatever. The movie's not bad, but the. Right, right. You can see the seeds of their about to break up in this in this movie. Right, right. <laughs> I, I never got them together. I never understood it. It's I, so weird for me now to be to like think about like would I want to date like a petulant 30 year old right now <laughs> right no. well first of all you have no. to be if you're th- if you're Warren Beatty you're like I've dated everyone else <laughs> and it does there does feel a sense of like yeah I've still got it I'm fucking the biggest pop star in the world right now right and again like, that's kind of his brand like he goes yeah. for it, it girls and Edie Sedgwick and you know and I think for and she's even said like she, you know, the, what I've seen of her talking about him, she she speaks well of him, but she was just like, yeah, I thought he was fascinating. I loved, like, asking him, like, what was this person like? What, you know what I mean? Like, you got the sense of, like, I, well, it wasn't like, it didn't, it never felt like this is true love, but it felt like they both got what they wanted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and neither one of them was, like, fully misled by the other. You know what I mean? It feels like, yeah, this was convenient for both, all, all parties involved. Yeah, I mean, I, I bet they had, like, a great time sexually and i bet that that there was like genuine mutual admiration and respect yeah that because they work together and you know he hired her and she and i do think that madonna was especially at this time trying to be like i am not just like pop royalty but i'm also hollywood royalty mm-hmm. and this is kind of like proof of that is that like i'm in the same you know I'm now like can be mentioned in the same discussion as Faye Dunaway, or you know, <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't want to be part of that conversation? The same breath as Faye Dunaway. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that you know what I mean, like like mm. somebody who's like a part of classic Hollywood. Yeah, and not to be crude, but she wanted to get a leg up, you know. Sure. She wanted to be in movies, and there's some status involved in dating a big movie star. Yeah, right. I mean, Slash she dated Sean Penn, so I guess they got married. They married, yeah. <laughs> Sean Penn. <laughs> Love of her life. Speaking of Moira McFarland, yeah, my childhood idol. <laughs> this was again. This is like over the years of watching this and watching this. They obviously planned this on purpose, right? They interviewed her in her hotel room. They set up like stand here. Madonna's going to come out of the elevator, and sure. then Madonna doesn't really have time for the conversation <laughs> that they've right. set up. It's a little. It's a little weird to me, and sort of like exploitative it seems exploitative yeah. yeah well i did some research and moira did have a daughter and she did name her madonna oh really yes and she is apparently now a hairdresser 
And according to the internet, she's very sweet. Madonna McFarland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems to me that like if you tell anybody who's in Moira McFarland's position at that stage, like, hey, we'd like to invite you to come see Madonna. Madonna wants to talk to you. She misses you. She hasn't seen you in a long time. And then you like build up this thing. You get like dressed up in a way that you think is going to be cute. You're interviewed in your hotel room and you're talking about your life. You think like, yeah, like, oh, this is like, this person wants to be in my life again. And that's not at all what. Well, she had been, she said she had written a letter to Madonna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Madonna's like, I did, I got it, I got it very much after the after fact. After the fact, yeah. yeah. like in a way that like I never responded. Walking it, it back, walking it back. I never I got it. Remember. Oh, wait, yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it was way very after the fact. And then she's pregnant again. She wants Madonna to consider being godmother. Madonna but that also feels like, a little sort of like a crazy request. It seems like a crazy request. And, yeah. you know, I think Madonna handled it very well. I think so too. Just saying, like you know, it's a it's a big thing. I need to think about it. Yeah, I, I thought it was a very mature response, Madonna. I just that think probably that happens like, once a week where someone asks Madonna to be their right. grandmother. She's it's well 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 rehearsed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she knows how to like act like kind of like shocked, surprised, oh flattered. God. I'm very flattered by this. I don't know. I just think that like if you go to all that trouble to like get this person there that you're going to use for this like story beat in the documentary, and then. The actual interaction is so brief. It do, it seems like that was all kind of purposeful to me. It's not that like Madonna opened like it's not that Moira McFarland was in the hotel lobby. They're following Madonna along, and Alex she's, she's like, like, "Wait a minute, that's Moira." Yeah. Or like Madonna's like, like, like oh my "We were God. just talking like, about yeah, her." Yeah, like <laughs> they're here, and then like I, I I I'm happy to see you. I just genuinely don't have time right now. It's right. Like, it's stand here and wait she's gonna not have time (laughs) when she opens the elevator doors but this was when madonna was at her hometown right i think so probably so i mean it makes sense that she you know it's not like she she traveled to to nice to see madonna you know so yeah i mean obviously like they reached out to her in some way or they somehow knew that she was going to be there but yeah yeah it's not somebody that she's had contact with since she was a child right right but she is staying in a hotel with her kids. So right. maybe she doesn't live. I don't know. Did anyone ever think this much about Moira McFarlane? <laughs> Breaking it down. Famous faces, far off places, trinkets I can buy. No handsome stranger, heady danger, drug that I can try. Uh, they're not like shitty about her. Do you at think all. the they're intention was like... to just show like how? awkward like when you become madonna like the amount of people like everyone who ever knew her is like trying to assume a relationship which they had to a certain degree but like if she if madonna had just moved to new york and not become somebody would they still be trying i to do think to it is, i do think it is to show that yes but i think that it is also like manufactured by the manipulated yeah to be like mm-hmm. More, it's not that more got there of her own volition and tried to like establish contact with Madonna. To, you know, like they invited her, and then and I do remember seeing it in the theater when it came out. All those lines got like huge laughs from the audience, from like the from the like the caddy gay audience that I was with. 
like her being like I was a different kind of dancer I was a topless dancer it was like a huge laugh line not it wasn't like the audience was like quiet and sure but also we were compelled. we were all kind of meaner and bitchier in the 90s than we are yeah today. I think it was done for like a an effect <laughs> and it was effective but now when I look at it I'm like mm, that's a little shitty This is my religion. I'm the richest, most famous, probably the most glamorous woman in the whole world. I should be happy. I had sex with everybody I wanted. Well, except Gorbachev, but only because his wife kept trying to come in the bathroom. But the tour is over now and I'm depressed. You want to talk about Medusa, Dare to be Truthful? Yeah, I have to be honest, I did not watch it recently, but I have watched it <laughs> several times in my life, and I love it. It's ridiculous. It is. Do you want to tell us, is there a blurb? Here's a quick little blurb. Medusa, Dare to be Truthful is a mockumentary starring comedian Julie Brown as Medusa, a controlling, hypersexual blonde bombshell who has allowed a documentary crew to follow her on her blonde leading the blonde tour. It was released in December 1st, 1991 on Showtime with Kathy Griffin, Chris Elliott, and Donald Logue in supporting roles. And comedians Tom Kenny, Bobcat Goldthwaite, and game show host Wink Martindale also made cameo appearances. Shortly after seeing the film, Madonna sent Julie Brown a half-finished bottle of warm champagne as a gift. Brown's reaction upon receiving the gift was, it was really expensive <laughs> champagne, but it had Madonna's spit in it. I think that's an entirely appropriate gift. That's the perfect, the perfect sort of gesture. I had seen snippets of it. I hadn't watched the whole thing until a few days ago. And it's really funny. <laughs> it's really funny. It's funny to me also that like, when I watched Truth or Dare for the first time, I was just like so excited to be like, I think like even like this stuff now that like I like talk about like her brattiness with Warren Beatty or her petulance or like things like that. Like none of that the first time watching it hit me i just thought i was just so enthralled to see my, this back these like candid mm. clips of madonna that air quotes I, around candid yeah <laughs> yeah yeah just this like i was like so like oh my god i just this so much and the fact that like julie brown saw it and was like this lady's a pain in the fucking ass mm -hmm. and then when i watched medusa i was like oh yeah she is a pain in the ass but <laughs> it's funny it's very funny yeah i had no idea kathy griffith was in it She's basically I'm playing Donna. So broke. Yeah. Yeah. Medusa's on a, her character, Medusa is on a five day tour <laughs> of the Philippines. Of the Philippines. Of the Philippines. The Philippines. <laughs> and there's a volcano. And there's good song parodies. I, I, I liked Medusa. I was crazy about it when it first came out. I watched it a bunch because, you know, on Showtime, they show yeah. it every day. So, yeah, this will fill in a hole. It will. Right. And it did in my life, in my heart. <laughs> I, I feel like that was a, a period when Julie Brown was kind of on the top of her game. Like she was kind of a big deal. Yes. What has she been doing? Has she done anything? She's still alive? She was in Clueless. That just happened. <laughs> 
She wasn't clueless. She was the gym teacher, wasn't she? Yeah. She's been a guest on RuPaul's Drag Race and Snatch Game with uh, with Downtown Julie Brown. I don't know how long ago that was. Okay, so still keeping her keeping her toes wet. She's still there. The kids Dippin'. still love her. <laughs> She's like, this is going to bring me back to a whole new audience. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen. And I do like that when she's singing a song, it's like a first, her, she's singing one of Medusa's songs, which is the party in my pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that goes into vague. I, just, I like that there's like, they do that really awkward. There's like a very awkward um, back somersault that she does over somebody's back yeah. that goes with a party in my pants. Pants, 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 pants. The rap break in Vague is the best one, I think. That yeah. is legit hilarious. Vanna White, Ed McMahon, Nicolette Sheridan, Mary Hart, Chuck Woolery, are as vague as they can be. Brooke Shields, Dauber Pam, personality of spam. Christy Brinkley, Brosnan Pierce, bland and boring, something fierce. Wilson Phillips, love to sing and wreck the cover of a magazine. Daniel Quayle's brain is gone. Debbie Gibson gives good yawn. Kelly LeBrock thinks she's great. She's just cold boogers on a paper plate. Why they're famous, we don't know, but Paula Abdul's gotta go. Ladies with no point of view. Fellas who don't have a clue. If they're stars, then you can do it. Just be vague, there's nothing to it. Vague, vague, vague. That's fucking awesome. Gold. Oh, one thing I, while rewatching it this time, uh, you know, when they're in Europe and uh, Nikki's being sort of like funny and doing like, I got the moves, baby. You got yeah. the moves, I got the lotion. She's like, Madonna World Tour 2025. 2025. I know that's pretty crazy that they were joking about like the ridiculousness of that idea. And here we are. Right. When do you think the last time Madonna saw Truth or Dare was? Do you think she's ever seen it all the way through? Uh, yes. She, she one time she was on I think Andy Cohen show and he asked her and she like what she thinks and she said like she she cringes when she sees it because it she she thinks she looks like a brat. Hmm. So I bet she's. She, I was just gonna say I bet she hasn't seen it recently. I bet she's maybe seen it a handful of times at like premieres or I don't think she pops it in the DVD player. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if like her kids it. have been like, yeah. And she might've like watched part of it or walked in or out or been like, I don't know if you should be watching uh, or like, yeah, all right, that. you can watch it. But, and if you have any questions, talk to me about it, but I don't want to. Don't watch Do you the think Avion she's seen Strike scene. a Pose? I bet she's seen Strike a Pose. I bet she has. I bet. I was wondering how it. they got all the foot, like the, there's a bunch of the footage rights. from the tour. Yeah. 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 She had to 
given There's a them... bunch of footage, like clips, but they're not long, so it could be just under fair use. Like there could be a. There, mm. I know there's certain like, oh, if you use less than this amount, you maybe don't need to get approval or clearance. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing in it that I think would make her upset. You know, like that's in it. Like she might get upset when she watches it, like because she might feel emotions. But I don't think like the the movie is attempting to make her upset or says something that would. They're all very would very. Make you think they're respectful. all very respectful yeah. and like loving of her. I was and watching it this time. I was like, oh, I wonder if they reached out to Donna or Nikki. Yeah, I would imagine that because so aside from Carlton, who did Girly Show, right? These guys all have in common that they just did this one huge thing. And right. then, and Don and Nikki both performed with her several more times, and had before, yeah, yeah, They've been on Who's That Girl, yeah. And I think and, also uh, Strega poses a lot like you were these like so much of it is like obviously Oliver aside, but just be like, oh, there were you were all these gay men like this was like one of the first times that this many gay characters who were just sort of seen being themselves, right? Either Don or Nikki are gay. Apropos of nothing, but watching that documentary kind of seemed like a little bit of a mess to me. Like it was sort of like, it was very interesting and I enjoyed all of it. I did mm-hmm. kind of at one point sort of check the counter and see like, where where are we in this? Cause <laughs> it's starting yeah. to ramble a little bit, but it's it sort of seemed like it didn't have a clear point of view about the story it was gonna tell, apart from what happened to these dancers. But then it got into, you know, their, their status and their sort of dramas before and I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying, but it just I sort of see seems what you like, what, what is this about, really? I well, think the, this the, one the, definitely like... feels longer than Truth or Dare, even though Truth or Dare is much longer. Is and I would say for me, yeah, Truth or Dare is two hours and Strike a Pose is like an hour 25. Okay. So it's significantly shorter. But in rewatching Truth or Dare this time, because I feel like the last third of Truth or Dare, that's when it's the Truth or Dare scene itself, the scene, like the sort of montage of Madonna just like in the bed with the dancers or that scene of her like talking with Donna and Nikki and they're all in bed. It, that feels starts to feel a little like we could wrap this up because I feel like those feel more staged than like a lot of the backstage stuff does and it feels like less interesting to me than like, but it also feels like I guess you kind of want that dramatically of like, let's start making the big conclusive statements but as we as we're like landing this plane as it were. When she says, how do we feel about people with fake body parts? You mean that part? <laughs> yeah, that whole, like all that stuff. You're like, okay. Yeah. The strike oppose one, I don't know, the doc, the, there's no like central event that it's about that except for this yeah. ambition tour. And then they like create a central event at the end, which is them all like reuniting for the first, for, like, you know, it seems, it seems like, like the first, the first time. time they were all together, back together yes. again. And it was, well, it was sweet and riveting. It didn't really feel like... Uh, right, it would be like if Truth or Dare was just them all playing Truth or Dare, where you're like, okay. Right. <laughs> As opposed to like, we're putting on this bigger tour. Which is to say, like, like you guys are going to restage a number from Blonde Ambition, and that's how we're going to end the movie. Right. Truth is never I'm trying to think of like if there's a way to end this and I, there's a way in which I feel like we probably should play Truth or Dare somehow, but I hadn't thought about it.
Oh god, I haven't thought about it either. Uh, I can't think of anything like salacious. <laughs> yeah. I'm tired. Do you think Sean is still the love of Madonna's life? I do, actually. More so than Guy? She's very oh, Guy longer. I think, I think that she, if she had her choice, she would pick Sean. Sean. I said it twice because she does in the movie. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is the second one where you're like, oh, she really means it. Yeah. All right. Brendan Cooper, thank you so much for doing this. Such a treat and a delight. Such a treat for me. I'm literally your biggest fan. I will fight anyone. <laughs> I love it. It's such an honor. Thank you so much thank for you. having me. Um, it's very for listening. cathartic. It takes you from it takes you on a yes. journey from beginning you know, to end. Eric, what is I it? want you to tell your queen mother, your drag mother. Yes. She is meant to you. Brendan means a lot to me. We like I don't I honestly don't think I would be the person that I am today if it were for Brendan Cooper. Now you could take that as a compliment or you can take, <laughs> no. What, am I, course. Annette, an, am I a net gay, a net drain on the world or? Who's she? I don't know. A net drain. That's my drag name. Please welcome to the stage, Annette Drain. <laughs> and it's Madonna. It wouldn't be the first time I've yeah. called that. <laughs> I love you, Brendan Cooper. I love you, you little shit. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you have comments or questions or just want to reach out to us, you can reach us at thecelebrationcelebration at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram account at thecelebrationcelebration. Special thanks to Dynamo for our artwork. And if you could do us a lovely favor and rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. It really helps people find the show, and we appreciate it. And when you're re reviewing us, just remember, we're not your bitch. Don't hang your shit on us. <laughs>